1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 19. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born, for I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet, not I, but the grace of God that was with me, whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach. This is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised either, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. This is the word of the God. Woohoo! Wow! Woohoo! That was great! Best funeral service ever! Woohoo! Tim, Silas, wasn't that great? Tim, Silas? Uh, oh, hey. Wow, kind of a large crowd to be out in Corinth at this time of night. What are you guys doing out here? I was, I was just looking for my, my friends uh, Tim and Silas. Uh, maybe they went on before me. We were just heading to Priscilla and Aquila's house. You know Priscilla and Aquila? They live in Corinth. They, they make tents. They make some great tents. You ought to go by and, and maybe buy some from them sometime. But uh, we all, we, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm so loud. We, were just come, we came from the best funeral service I have ever been to. Man, this thing was so exciting. It was great. I, I, I'm sorry. I forgot to even introduce myself. My name's Paul. And uh, I've been in Corinth for a few months now. Maybe you, you've heard of me. But uh, this, was, this was amazing. We, um, I, I, we had so much fun at this funeral service. And even as I'm saying that, you must think I'm crazy. You, you, must, you must think, what are you talking about joy and fun at a funeral service? And I'll tell you what, a, a little while ago, man, I probably would have thought I was out of my mind too. I mean, look, I... I come from a strict Jewish family. Listen, I, I understand mourning and grieving and sorrow. Man, my, my family, we used to bring 
We used to bring funerals and sorrow to like a high art form. We would, we would mourn for days and we would cry and, and it was a sad time. In fact, in fact we, we took it so seriously. It wasn't even enough for the friends and family to be crying and mourning. My family, we would hire people. We would hire professional mourners to come in and cry for our family so that we would have more people crying. And you might think that's crazy, but you'd be amazed how much someone will cry if you pay them enough money. It's a crying shame. But it definitely... I mean, we were mourning, crying, sad. And so, yeah, I guess to... to call a funeral exciting might sound a little strange, and it would have to me a while back, it would have to me if it, if it wasn't for what happened to me a number of months ago. And we were just afraid these Corinthians weren't getting it, but they do get it. I mean, what happened to me a number of years ago, I, I would never have thought of a joyful funeral until that day when I saw a dead man. Well, not really a dead man. I saw a man that, that I thought was dead. Let me, you got a minute? Let me just tell you. I was on my way to the city of Damascus. And we were just, I was riding on my horse. We're heading up to the city of Damascus. I actually was given a job to do for some of the religious leaders to go and root out some of the people there who were, who were Christians. They were following this Jesus. And I'm on my way on the road to the city of Damascus. And something, somebody knocks me right off my horse. And I look around, and I don't know what it was, and then there's this man standing there. And I, and I didn't know who it was, and he said, Saul, I, and Saul is what people called me before I was a Christian, Saul, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. And, and I didn't know what to think. I said, wait a second, Jesus... Jesus, I knew Jesus had, had died. Jesus had been, Jesus had been, had been killed. Jesus had been crucified. And, and I wasn't there. I didn't see Jesus myself crucified. But look, I'm, I'm a Roman citizen. I've seen enough crosses in my day. And let me tell you this, that nobody is alive after a crucifixion. I've seen enough crosses. I mean, crucifixion, if, you, if you've never seen one, then you should be thankful that you never had to look at that. I mean, crucifixion, nobody's alive after that. It's, it's so awful that the, the city, the, the state of Rome won't even let any of our citizens be crucified. It doesn't matter how bad a thing you do. If you're a Roman citizen, they'll let you die in a more dignified way. They won't crucify you. Crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst who weren't even Roman citizens. It reduced people to the state of an animal. It dehumanized them. I have those images burned in my mind of naked men nailed to crosses, bloodied, gasping for breath, hung up there for hours and even days until the bugs and the animals would start to swarm in. And, and it was gruesome and it was disgusting, but nobody lives through crucifixion. So if this man before me on the road to Damascus 
is telling me that he is Jesus who was crucified. And he said he's the one who died and now is living again. I thought, I've had this all wrong. If this is the Jesus that these Christians are following, and he was crucified and now he's alive, it means that everything they've been saying is true. It means that, that, that he really is alive. It means that, that, that death really has been beaten, that it's really not the end of the story, because I know how it works. If a rabbi does something, it means his followers can do the same thing. And if this Jesus died and rose again, it means his followers can rise also. And that death isn't the end of the story. And so joyful funerals. And so we got together after my friend Justice died and we just celebrated. We just had a party and I was afraid, Tim and Silas and I, we were afraid these Corinthians weren't getting it. We were afraid they didn't understand what it really meant. But man, we were at this service and they celebrated because we know where justice is. We know he is in the presence of Jesus. And so we celebrated for all that. I mean, of course, if, if we didn't know this, it would be a sad occasion. If we didn't know where he was going or what the future was. That's how I used to live. I didn't know what the future was. I didn't know if there was anything. All I knew is my friend was gone. So we were sad and we were mourning. But now, now we celebrated. We celebrated because justice is with Jesus and we will see him again. And so we had a party and, and we had a great time and everyone was enjoying themselves. Well, almost, I, I guess almost everyone. Uh, justice's brother was there, Seneca. You might know him. He, uh, he was there and, and he was kind of bothered by the whole thing actually. He, uh, he thought we were being disrespectful. He, he was kind of upset with, with the way we were celebrating. I didn't really know Seneca, but Justice had told me about him, told me that he had often tried to talk to his brother about Jesus and tell him about Jesus, and, and Seneca wouldn't, wouldn't listen to him. He would listen for a little while, but then he'd always come back to the question. He'd say, Justice, what if it isn't true? Justice, what if he didn't really rise from the dead like all these people are saying? Justice, what if he's just a man who was crucified and was dead and all this was done just to make some people feel better? And all these people are believing this just to make themselves feel better. But what if he isn't risen from the dead? He said, if that's true, if he's not risen justice, then you're wasting your life on all of this. Seneca, I had never really talked to him actually before today, but, you know, he cornered me today. And I was just, I was just, you know, kind of sitting in the corner with my little plate of food, minding my own business. And then uh, Seneca comes up to me and he says, Saul, Saul. He said, what's wrong with you? And I said, man, keep it down. It's a funeral. What are you doing, you know? Have some respect. And he said, Saul, what's wrong with you? So, what do you mean, Seneca? He said, you had everything going for you. 
You, you had all the accolades. You had the pedigree and the degrees. You had everything going for you. You were moving up the ladder faster than anyone I had ever heard of. Everyone had heard of you, Saul. Everyone knew that you were going to be one of the next leaders. Everyone knew that you were going to become a rabbi and then, and then move your way up the religious ranks. Everyone knew that you had everything going for you. We had heard all about your exploits knew that you were a Hebrew of Hebrews, that you had kept the law, that you had done everything, and that you were going to be one of the next leaders. What is wrong with you? Now look at you. Seneca says to me, he says, look at you. Nobody even likes you anymore. People are kicking you out of cities and chasing you out of cities. People are whipping you and trying to kill you. What's wrong with you? Why'd you throw all that away? Then he got to the real heart of the matter. He says, and why... Did you tell my brother about it all? Says so my brother wasted his life following this stuff that you told him. He said, Saul, you're pitiful. You're pitiful. I started to get a little angry, actually, when he said that. But then I started to remember the way I used to feel. And I also started to remember justice and what he would want me to say in that moment. And I said, Seneca, you know, you're right. You're right. All that stuff used to mean a real lot to me. I lived my whole life collecting that, those things. I lived my whole life trying to please people and get my foot in the world and try and, and, try and climb up. And you're right. That stuff used to mean a lot to me. I said, but Seneca, let me tell you, and I just told them what I told you. I said, I, I saw Jesus, and I met him, and, and he's, he's risen, Seneca, and he's alive, and that, and that changed my life forever. And I said, you know, it's, if you don't believe me, you can, you can go and ask some of his disciples that are still alive. They saw him. They're still alive. Go ask them. Go talk with them. Or even there were like 500 people, Seneca, that saw him alive. You can go ask any of them, and they'll tell you that they saw him alive. Go, go check with them. Go ask them. This didn't seem to convince him. He said, I haven't seen him. Justice didn't see him. How do I know it's true? Well, what if it's not true? I said, Seneca, you were just talking about all these things that I've done. All these things that were so valuable and meant so much. Ask yourself, why, why would I throw it all away? Why would I throw it all away if I was making this up? This is not a better lifestyle. I'm whipped and beaten. I've been here for several months, but it won't be long before they kick me out of Corinth like they kick me out of every other city I'm in. I've been stoned. I've been beaten. I've been whipped. I had to escape a city in a basket because men were trying to kill me. I gave up everything I had, Seneca. Why would I do it if I did not know that he has risen? This seemed to be making some headway with him. So I pressed on and I said, Seneca, what about, what about the people that followed Jesus? What about his disciples? I mean, why would they go out and preach that he is alive if they knew he was dead? 
They were there. They were at the cross. They saw him crucified. Why would they go? And many of them have been whipped and beaten. And many of them have died already and been killed for their faith. Why wouldn't they recant? Why wouldn't they tell everyone it was a lie? Why would they die such horrific deaths if they knew he was dead? doesn't make any sense. And I could tell this was starting to make some sense to him. But then he did what a lot of people I know do when I start talking about Jesus. He changed the subject. He said, well, well, well Saul, what about the resurrection? You're telling me I'm going to be resurrected? If I'm going to be resurrected, what's my body going to look like? He says, am I going to have hair? Am I going to need a haircut? Am I going to have a beard? What am I going to look like, Saul, if you know about this resurrection? I said, Seneca, I said, I don't know. It's a foolish question. I have no idea what, what your resurrected body would look like. I said, it's kind of like, Seneca, it's kind of like if I showed you a seed. And if I showed you a seed, you would never be able to tell me what the tree is going to look like once that seed's planted in the ground and breaks apart. If I I showed you a seed, you can't tell me what the fruit is going to look like from that seed. You, You plant the seed in the ground, it dies, it breaks open, and life comes out of it, and it looks nothing like the seed. I said, Seneca, it's kind of like that with our resurrected bodies. I don't know what they're going to look like. I have no idea what they're going to look like. But when it goes into the ground and it dies and life comes out of it, God only knows. Then he went back to his old standby. He said, fine, but what if it's not true? What if it's not true, Paul? What if he's not really living? If he's not really living, then you've wasted your life and so is my brother. So I played along. I said, Seneca, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. If Jesus isn't risen, I have wasted all of this that I'm doing. If Jesus isn't really risen, I've wasted your time and my time and your brother's time and his life. If Jesus isn't really risen, then all that I'm talking about, this faith is futile. And worse than that, if Jesus hasn't risen, I believed a lie. And I've been teaching others to believe a lie too. I've been teaching others to to live their life for a lie. In fact, if Jesus isn't risen, I am the greatest blasphemer that ever lived because I have been teaching people to follow and believe and give their life for a lie. And you're right, Seneca. If he's not risen, I am pitiful. Worse than that, if Jesus isn't risen, then I'm still, and we're all still sucking our sins, and we've got no way to deal with that. If Jesus isn't risen, then I've wasted the time of the people in this life who could have been doing something else with their time, who could have been doing. If Jesus isn't risen, then let's eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. If Jesus isn't risen, then your brother, who will remember today, has no hope after this life. And I've been telling people to believe a lie. I said, Seneca, you're right. If Jesus isn't risen, I've wasted my time. 
doing what I'm doing has been a waste. And I said, I said, but Seneca, if he has risen, then you're wasting yours. If Jesus isn't risen from the dead, then all that I'm doing is a waste. But if he has risen from the dead, then anything else you're doing is a waste. And then someone came along and interrupted us and took him away, and I didn't talk to him the rest of the time. I could only hope and pray that something that was said will stick with him and, and will stay with him, and for his sake and for his brother Justice's sake, that something that was said will cause him to turn his life over to this Jesus who is risen. But what about you? Since I've got you here as a crowd in Corinth, what do you say? He's right. It all hinges on the resurrection. It all hinges on whether Jesus has risen from the dead. Because if he isn't, this is a waste of all our time. If he is, it changes everything. If he is, it means that death is not the end, but death is the beginning. That death leads to more life. If he is risen, it means that death and the grave are not the final answer, but there is something beyond this life, something beyond what happens, something beyond the grave. If he is risen, it means that you and I who follow him can also hope and be risen and know that death is not not the end. It all hinges on the resurrection, so you better be right about it. Whether he's risen or not. And even if you don't believe in the resurrection, you ought to want to believe it's true. Because otherwise, what are we doing here? Otherwise, all the good that we work for in this life the justice we try and bring, the good works we try and do, eventually it all dies. We die. Our work dies with us. The earth, the world, eventually all dies. But if there's a resurrection, if there's a resurrection, it means that death is not the end, that new life comes. And that the things done for Jesus last for eternity. That there's new life and new earth and new world and it's not wasted. And when you look around and you see the beauty and you see, yes, there's pain and yes, there's difficulty. But there's too much beauty for it to all be for nothing, isn't there? If Jesus isn't risen from the dead that I'm the most pitiful man that's ever walked the earth because I've wasted my time and my life and taught others to do the same thing. If Jesus isn't risen from the dead, then all that I'm doing is a waste. But if he is, then anything else that you're doing is a waste.
So consider for yourselves this day the resurrection and what Jesus offers to you. Well, I've got to find my friends. Tim, Silas, wait up. Hold on.